0: Welcome to On Mission, the teaching ministry of the Mission Church in Urbandale, Iowa. We exist to love God by loving others, leading them to become fully functioning followers of Jesus Christ. Today we conclude Mike's message on Luke. I wonder about us today, are we humble enough to receive what God wants to give us, or do we think we know better what we need, and if we're not getting what we think we need, then we are all in a tither about it. Consider all the complex knowledge that is achievable among men we have seen men and women come together and find cures for diseases that for millennia killed off big populations we have seen men and women come together and find a way to put multiple men on the moon and bring them back safely Recently, we've seen men and women put their minds together and actually build semi-trucks and, and, and passenger cars that can go down the road automatically without a driver. Wow, that is unbelievable. And when we think of those kind of things that are achievable on the human uh, dimension, we know that the childlike, they're not the ones who make those discoveries, No, it's the people we celebrate as geniuses. They're the ones who are making those discoveries. They're the ones who are making that happen. But let me ask you, look around at the geniuses that are out there, and there are many. Not many of them have discovered what really matters in life. They may have discovered how to put a person on the moon. They may have discovered how to make a tractor trailer go down the road without a driver, but they have not discovered the mind of Christ. And why is that? Well, it's because... Human wisdom tends to stand in the way of the knowledge of God. Human wisdom tends to stand in the way of the knowledge of God. You see, when we're operating from the point of human wisdom, then God doesn't make any sense. Surrender as the way to exaltation doesn't make sense. Humility is the way to greatness does not make sense. Sacrifice as the way to victory does not make sense from the human perspective. Listen, everything man knows through human intellect screams that God's way is the way to bondage, the way to boredom, and the way to non-fulfillment, even though the opposite is actually true. Childlike, on the other hand, they know that they don't have the answers. They know they need help. Many of them are willing to trust, and thus they find real life, true wisdom, and joy in living. And this is the way God has actually created things to be. The way up is down. The way to life is through death. And the way to God is through the righteousness of another. The statement that we find in the passage where Jesus says, no one knows the Father but the Son and the Son but the Father is a statement that it is impossible for humanity to find God on our own. Are you aware of that? Are you aware that we are incapable of discovering God on our own? Well, let me tell you, we can discover religion and we have. And we have multiple thousands of them all around the world. But we cannot find God unless the Son chooses to reveal the Father to us. And one thing that you can count on is this, is that Jesus does not reveal the Father to the proud, the arrogant, the independent, or the self-sufficient type. He doesn't doesn't reveal the Father to those types because they don't have room for what he has to show them. Brings me to truth point number two, which comes from James chapter 4 verse 6. A simple sentence that says, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Why don't you say that with me? Ready? God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. I want you to mark this down because this is an absolute fact. When you see a man or a woman who is proud of their knowledge, who brags about their understanding and castigates others who do not share their view... When you find someone who talks incessantly so that their wisdom can be seen by others and refuses to listen or to contemplate any other position, then you can guarantee yourself you are in the presence of a proud person. And you can be assured that at least from the spiritual perspective, they know nothing of the mind of Christ. Because God does not open his wisdom to such as that. So if you want to know someone who's got the mind of Christ... Look for the humble. Look for the unassuming. Find the one who is always deferring to the Lord as their source for everything, and you will find someone who is growing in true wisdom, in the wisdom of God. We come to the last two verses of this section, verses 23 and 24, and we find Luke bringing the time of rejoicing to a close, reporting that Jesus informed the 70 of the unique privilege that they had. They were living in a blessed time, a time of divine revelation. Now, if we use the Scripture as our guide, we can discern that by the time of Jesus, as he walked the earth, we're reading about that here in the Gospel of Luke, the world and humanity had been on the scene for about 4,000 years, roughly speaking. And during those years, we can discover as we look through the, the Scripture that God was continually given revelation. He was giving revelation about His identity and His plan and His purpose for humanity. But here's what we also discover as we look at all of that. He didn't give it in great big chunks. He gave it in small, bite-sized pieces. When we go through the Scripture, we find that generation after generation, every generation received some form of revelation, but no generation ever had the full revelation. For example, God blessed King David and King Solomon with revelation that Abraham and Moses did not have. What God revealed to David and even Solomon uh, helped them to understand that God was up to something big, but they could not imagine really where God was going with all of this. God granted the prophet Jeremiah, Isaiah, and Ezekiel with revelation that David and Solomon did not have, and yet, even for them, the picture was not quite clear. God granted Peter revelation that he, that Jesus was the Messiah, the son of the living God, yet Peter could not grasp that Jesus was destined for a cross and a resurrection. And now the 70 who are in Peter's generation, they know more about God's plan and what God is doing and what he's up to than all of the others who came before them. In fact, the 70, if you think about it, were actually living out what David wrote in his Psalms and Solomon wrote in his Proverbs. They were bringing to pass parts of what Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Ezekiel wrote about in their prophecies. And so Jesus says to them, You are blessed. Blessed are the eyes who see what you've been able to see, what you've been able to experience. Blessed are those people. And truly they were blessed. But do you think Jesus would say anything different if we were standing on this stage right now? to you, I guarantee you, he would say to you, you're blessed. He would say to you that your eyes are blessed because you have seen, you know, and you are even living out things that the 12 and the 70 longed to know and longed to live out. You see, we in this generation, we know cognitively and experientially about the cross about the resurrection, about the indwelling of the Spirit of God, about the value of the full revelation of God's Word. And these are things that those disciples on that day did not have. Truly, our generations have been blessed to have more revelation than humanity has had in the 6,000 years prior to our birth. But lest we think that we are the terminal generation, that we are the ones who possess all the revelation there is to come, let us be corrected And understand that that's not true because there's more revelation to come. You see, the Bible that we have, the completed word of God, tells us that that's true. Right now, we see through a glass dimly concerning Christ's return. We see through a glass dimly about about his uh, millennial reign when he takes the earth and he rules as universal king from Jerusalem. Listen, we have bits and pieces about that. But there's not a person in this room who knows what it's going to be like to be taught and mentored and led by Jesus personally. We've been taught a little bit about it, and we know it's going to be glorious. But our spiritual vision today is not enough to let us in on what it's really going to be like. And that brings me to truth point number three, which says this, that previous generations longed to know what we know, And there will be generations that come after us who will know what we don't. However, we are blessed to have God's revealed word. And here's what I want you to catch. And that blessing is a sacred trust in our hands. It is a trust we are accountable to for our stewardship of it. I want you to catch this, church. I want you to catch this, that God's blessings are always sacred trusts that we are obligated to steward in the generation in which we live. And I want to ask us collectively, how are we doing with the sacred trust of the gospel of Jesus Christ? One of the things that concerns me about our generation is that at least by the way we seem to behave, we come off as though all of God's blessings are for us to consume. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Wow. What an income. Thank you, Lord Jesus. What a house. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the word and all the knowledge that it gives me. That is so awesome. I'm so glad to be living in this age of time. The body of Christ so often behaves as though those blessings are just something for us to consume. But I'm here to tell you that those blessings are a sacred trust. He didn't give them to us to consume. He gave them to us To steward, to manage, to utilize as He directs us to utilize it. Not just to pile it up and stuff it in a corner and wait for a rainy day, saying, Look what all I've got, aren't I blessed? We've got more today, and I'm not talking about money and all that right now. I'm just saying we have more than all the generations ever who've come before. We have more revelation. We have more, we have more, uh, access to what has been revealed. We have more understanding of all that than anyone ever has in the history of the earth. And what are we doing with it? What are we doing with it? Are we stewarding it? Are we using it? Are we passing it along? are we helping others to see what God has opened our eyes to see? So I say to you that if the 12 and if the 70 had reason to rejoice, how much more do we? If they had a sacred trust to steward for the glory of God and the benefit of people, how much more do we? There is reason to rejoice. We live in an era of more knowledge, resource, communication, travel, and knowledge about God's work than any generation before. We have the full revelation of God's word for our time. We have the full time in dwelling and empowerment of the Holy Spirit within us. Those are things that many generations before did not have. We have reason to rejoice. But let us not fail to grasp that those wonderful blessings are... A sacred trust to steward, to steward for the glory of God, to steward for the eternal blessing of others. So, Mission Church, how are we doing with our trust? Individual believer, brother and sister in Christ, how are you doing with your trust? You know, the Messiah has come, salvation's work has been completed, eternal life is available. So, let us rejoice and fulfill our sacred trust to take the message of God's mercy, love, and grace to the world. This is On Mission. The Mission Church is located at 12001 Ridgemont Drive in Urbandale. To learn more about our ministry, visit our website at themissiondsm.org or call us at 515-255-2122. We gather for worship each Sunday at 10 a.m. We would be honored for you to join us. Have a blessed day, and thank you for listening to On Mission.